In 2020, it seemed to become America's favorite pastime to get into mud fights in Facebook comment sections, on news media outlets, social media, and even on stages with politicians, it seemed like nobody could have a civil conversation. What do we do when every conversation we're in seems to turn into a conflict? Welcome to This Divine Moment, a podcast where we learn to pay attention to, respond to, and notice the work that God is already doing in each of our lives. Today, we look at our relationship with conflict and how an ancient book of wisdom written by a king might just give us some answers. Well, hey everyone, welcome to This Divine Moment. I am your host, Ben Cornick. I am a pastor, a father, a husband, and I am also a lifelong learner. Man, I love to learn, and one of my favorite environments to learn in is a cohort environment. And recently, I joined joined up with this cohort uh, specifically to help me in my craft of communication, but also to develop uh, my character. And so I've really been enjoying the cohort so far, and uh, we actually got to travel to Phoenix together uh, just last week. And it was a really uh, great trip. Um, I got to hike Camelback Mountain. I don't know if you've ever done that, but if you ever get a chance to go to Phoenix, see if there's someone local who will hike that mountain with you. Uh, It is an incredible view from the top. Um, It is worth the hike. And uh, But I also got to sit with some incredible guys and just learn from them and understand the way that they think and what God has been doing in their lives. And that is one of the best ways for me to learn. And so I really loved it. Well, then just a couple days ago, uh, one of the guys who was in this group, he posted a picture on social media just saying how thankful he was to be a part of the group. And the picture was of the Uh, 11 guys who were at this um, learning experience. Um, All of them were white men except one guy who was with us who was a black man. And there was a woman who posted underneath his picture and said, this is the problem with the church. Um, Clearly, you don't have a lot of representation in this group. So how are you going to improve the church if you just keep on doing the same things? And um, as you read the comment section, it became clear that this woman thought that this pastor had invited these other pastors to be a part of an event at his church and that he only invited white guys and one black guy. And the truth is, though, that he signed up for a program having no idea who else would be in the program. And apparently the only other people who were signing up for this particular learning experience were a few other white guys and one black guy. And so it was it was really interesting because as I read the comments, I could see that this woman had no intention of understanding the situation. And she also didn't realize that this pastor who po- posted this picture, he actually pastors a church that is pretty diverse. Um, and they do have women and minorities and all sorts of people represented in their leadership. And so I felt bad for him But at the same time, um, I also realized that there just seems to be this appetite within our culture right now to just jump into things without really understanding for the sole reason of arguing and um, for just disagreeing with each other. 
And so it reminded me of a proverb that I read recently. Now, the book of Proverbs was written mostly by someone by the name of King Solomon. Now, more than likely, you've heard of this guy before, but if you haven't, uh, he was the king over Israel after King David. So he was King David's son, and um, he was considered one of the wisest people who's ever lived. And he also was known to be one of the richest people who ever lived. And so it was really interesting that as I was thinking about this picture, it reminded me of this line that King Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs. And it says this, like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel that is not their own. That's found in Proverbs 26, verse 17. Let me, let me say that one more time. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a conflict that is not their own. I mean, think about this. If you saw someone who was just walking along and then a stray dog came out and that person just rushed up to that stray dog and grabbed it by the ears and then that dog bit them in the face and the dog ran off, and then the person blamed the dog for the situation, you would say, no, 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 that dog didn't do anything wrong. This person ran up and grabbed that dog by the ears. This is exactly what Solomon is trying to get at. That when someone jumps into a conflict that they don't understand, when someone jumps into a conflict that they have nothing to do with, it is like grabbing a dog by the ears. And most often they're going to receive a lot of uh negative feedback. They're going to receive a lot of anger from other people who do understand the conflict, who do understand the situation. And then the person who jumped into the situation, the, the, the quote unquote uh, ear grabber, they're going to get more and more frustrated and more and more marginalized because they're not going to understand why people are upset that they jumped in. This is why I call 2020 the year of grabbing dogs by the ears. That, that is my unofficial name for the year of 2020. Because never in my life have I seen so, so many people be so willing to jump into conflicts that they don't understand. So willing to jump into conversations that they have really no um, previous knowledge of simply for the sole purpose of arguing with other people. You can tell they're never really in a place to listen to other people. They simply want to argue. So what are we supposed to do with that? I mean, there's moments when I read comments online and I want to jump in because I'm sitting there going, who is this person and why would they say these things? And they, they clearly don't understand the situation. And then I realize, oh, okay, I would be doing the exact same thing as that person. I would then be the one who's grabbing the dog by the ears. So what are we supposed to do? I mean, honestly, because this isn't just a passing fad within our society. This has become the norm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we have seen this with our politicians. They're not listening to each other. We've seen this with parents and kids. Uh, it seems like families can't listen to each other. Uh, I, I've been in conversations with people that I'm close to and somebody will bring up uh, some kind of a, an issue and you can tell it gets tense immediately. And of course, this is happening on social media. This is happening all over the place. And like it's, it's like people just want to put dividing lines down. They don't want to hear one another and see if there's any common ground. They just want to go, look, clearly we don't agree, so let's just fight about it. 
And let's not try to understand each other. Let's just keep on getting more and more angry. But this is the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. And I think we can even find that it could be a divine moment. Because I think about, uh, there's this passage where it talks about these leaders from the tribe of Issachar and that they understood the times and they knew what to do. What if, what if you and I could be people who understand the times and that we know what we're supposed to do? What if we could look at the moment that we're living in and we could understand what is actually happening and then we could respond appropriately. We, we could actually know what to do. And I was listening recently to a, a podcast episode between a guy named Kerry Newhoff and another guy named Steve Cuss. And Steve was talking about how a lot of what we're seeing in the world today actually comes down to one word, anxiety. That we're just seeing different forms of anxiety manifesting in people's lives, the way that they're dealing with anxiety. And so he actually used uh, President Donald Trump as an example of someone who was responding with lots of anxiety. Because here is a man who felt like he was fighting for um, the soul of the country. Uh, this man who thought he was making America great again. That was his battle. That was his fight. And so anything he saw that threatened his vision of what it meant for America to be great would cause anxiety. And so Steve, uh, who's trained in a lot of these things, he talked about how what we saw with Donald Trump a lot of times was his way of responding to anxiety. And so I think about that and I go, okay, so that means that we can understand that what a lot of people are feeling, they're not just wanting to fight with each other. Like why would somebody jump into a conflict that's not their own? There's gotta be some motivation. There's gotta be some reasoning. And I think that there might be something to that. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But here's, here's what's interesting. As you read Proverbs 26, Solomon continues this line of thought. And in verse 20, he says this, without wood, a fire goes out. And without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Without wood, a fire goes out. And without gossip, a quarrel dies down. And so here's the crazy thing, is that a lot of times, I think sometimes these conflicts and these issues, they actually would dissipate if people would just step back for a minute and stop talking. If they would step back for a minute and go, well, okay, let's, let's give this some time. Let's think about this. But what, what's keeping the fire burning is gossip. Now, you know what gossip is. Gossip is where you talk about somebody behind their back or you say something about someone when they're not in the room. And sometimes those things that you're saying might not even be true. It's the, it's the hearsay. It's, hey, I heard so-and-so say that this person was doing this. And you see a lot of that these days. I mean, it can get as extreme as people believing conspiracy theories, but it can also just be as tame as someone saying, um, I, I thought that I heard someone imply that they might believe this. They use lots of veiled language, but they get their point across. And honestly, the media, like news media and these different outlets and people on social media, they're part of this gossip. They are throwing fuel onto the fire. So every time someone puts a post on social media that they don't even know if it's true, 
that they're not even sure if their, their facts are straight. They just put it out there. Or every time the news media shares a story or gives airtime to people having a conversation about something that they don't even maybe fully understand yet, they're adding fuel to the fire, this fire of conflict that is burning so intensely in our culture, and they're adding fuel to it. And you know what the craziest part is? They never apologize. Almost nobody goes back on their Facebook comments and says, hey, I'm sorry, I think I was wrong. Almost nobody goes back on news media and says, hey, let me correct something I said a couple days ago. No, they just move on. They just act as if yesterday didn't even happen. And yet they have added fuel to the fire of conflict. Relationships are being ruined. Uh, People can't get along. And we wonder why we're having all of these problems in society. We're wondering why people can't have civil conversations. And it's because we continue to throw fuel on the fire. And we need to figure out how we can stop. It's as if our culture is beginning to thrive on conflict and strife. The very fabric of society that the great reformers who came before us wove together is being shredded apart by people who seem to not understand that conflict and progress are not always the same thing. And so the the way that uh, Billy Graham and Martin Luther King Jr. and, uh, you know, JFK and all these different people... um, I'm I'm at a loss for other names, but I just I'm trying to think of people in the 50s and 60s who were trying to reform society. They were trying to make it better. Um, even Rosa Parks. Th- these are people that they didn't thrive on gossip. They didn't thrive on jumping into conflicts they didn't understand. They would actually take time to figure out what it was that society needed, and then they would do their best to help change it with their own behavior. Uh, by leading by example, but also by choosing to use words that were helpful. I I did research on the way that Martin Luther King Jr. would uh, organize uh, his protests. And it was really incredible because everyone who marched with him, one of the commitments they had to make every day was to meditate on the teachings of Jesus. And then he said, if someone as much as yelled at a counter protester or a police officer, uh, MLK, he had a whole group of people that would surround that person and literally move them out of the marching line, and then the people would rejoin the march. And so if you if you engaged in conflict in one of his protests, he would actually remove you because he believed in a particular form of protest that he thought would bring about, bring about the most progress. And so I just find that interesting that society, now it seems as if we're thriving on conflict and strife. But what would it look like for us to stop? And what would it look like for us to pay attention? See, this is where we can have our divine moment. We can pay attention to our own patterns. We can say, why do we do it? Why do we enter into conflict? Why do we want to promote gossip that we don't even know is true? And I remember a moment I had in 2020 where I had put a post out there of just some things that I was thinking about. And then there's people who came and they came pretty hard at me in the comment section. And I kid you not, for about three and a half hours that night, all I did was respond to people's comments. And all I was thinking about was what they said and how I needed to say things back. And, and I, was, I was actually 
in a place of anxiety because I felt the need to be understood. I felt as if people were mischaracterizing things that I had said, and I I thought, okay, I've got to correct this. I've got to make them understand. But the truth is, is some people, they're not going to be made to understand. And uh, what wound up happening, actually, was a relationship formed out of this. Because once I realized what I was doing, I had to I had to scale back. I had to cycle down and say, you know what? Um, to to a couple people in the comments, I just had to say, look. Honestly, this is getting out of hand. Um, I would love to continue the conversation. Maybe we can do that offline somewhere. And uh, this this one guy who was in the comments, he actually sent me a message as well and said, hey, what if we just grabbed coffee somewhere? We don't live too far from one another. And so he and I found a day where we had coffee and I just learned his story and he got to know more of my story. And so I learned that sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves, wait, what am I doing? And why am I jumping into this conflict? What is it about this conflict that makes me want to keep on um, essentially grabbing the dog by the ears? Because I didn't understand the argument he was even trying to have with me. And by sitting down with him over coffee, I was able to understand better where he was coming from. So now instead of grabbing a dog by the ears, I'm grabbing a cup of coffee with a friend. So this is why this matters. We have to ask ourselves, why are we doing this? And I think in doing that, when we can have the awareness of why we're doing it, that in itself can be a divine moment. There's a theologian, and I I can't remember who said this, but uh, they said that having awareness is grace. That literally just by becoming aware of what's happening around you or what you're doing or why you're doing it, that that is one of the ways that God shows us grace because we can't change something until we have become aware of it. So why do you do what you do? Why do you jump into conflict that's not your own? Why do you promote gossip when you're not even sure if it's true? And what would happen if you changed? Now, you've heard me say this on the podcast before, but I'll say it again, that the word change is really important to me when it comes to having a divine moment. Whenever we're having a divine moment, we need to pay attention to what's happening, and then we need to say, what can I change? How can I change? And the the biblical word for change is actually this word, repent. Now, that's a word that carries a lot of negative connotation in our society, but the word repent literally means to change. I'm actually just... A few days ago, I was on my way to a cafe to get a latte. I had had a long day um, of ministry. We had had two services in the morning and we had uh, another event uh, coming up in the evening and I was going off to get a latte. But I had just told my wife a couple days before that that I was going to cool it on my uh, spending because we, we just... We were getting close to a place in our budget where it makes us uncomfortable. So she said, hey, uh, please don't spend any more money than you need to. And I'm like, yep, no problem. Well, to be honest, I didn't really need the latte. Um, Back in my office, we have a Keurig machine that works just fine. And so I realized that. I remembered the conversation I had with my wife. And so I realized, you know, the thing that I'm doing actually is not good. And what I wound up doing is I literally pulled a U-turn in the road. There wasn't any cars coming. So uh, I pulled a U-turn in the road and I, I literally went another direction. I went back towards my office. I went there and I made a cup of coffee. So that to me is what repentance looks like. 
you, you have a moment where something dawns on you. You have a divine moment of recognizing, of awareness, of understanding, of realizing. And then you have to literally turn your life in a different direction so that you can begin to live differently. Well, maybe, maybe you've noticed some of the ways that you've joined into conflict and some of the unhealthy reasons that you have for joining into conflict. And now you can actually repent and you can turn from that. And then um, we can look at the example of Jesus. I want to talk about him for a moment because when we look at his example, we can see somebody who literally lived and died to tear down walls of hostility. While Jesus was alive, he modeled an example, or he modeled an example for us of what it looks like to be somebody who does not get into conflict that is not his own. Um, often people would try to drag Jesus into conflict and they would ask him a question that they knew would cause an issue. And instead of actually answering their question, he would ask a question or he would say a statement that was really hard for them to refute. A good example is when uh, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus if Jewish people should pay taxes. Now, what you have to understand is that Romans uh, took over the Jewish people, that they had uh, subjugated them. So Jewish people were living under the oppression of the, the Roman government, and a lot of Jews believed that they shouldn't have to pay taxes, and they were ready to fight about it, like literally fight with swords and bows and arrows. And um, so when this Pharisee asked Jesus that question, had he said no, Jews shouldn't have to pay taxes, well, then he's going to make the Romans angry. If he said, yes, Jews should have to pay taxes, then he would make um, the Jewish people angry. And instead, he said, bring me a coin. And somebody was like, what? Okay, fine. And they handed him a coin and he said, whose picture is on this coin? And they said, well, Caesar's picture is on the coin. And he said, okay, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And then he walked away. And so Jesus knew how to be able to have the wisdom to not get involved in a conflict that he needs to not be a part of. He knew how to give an answer or ask a question and turn it around on the other person to show them that he's not willing to do the mudslinging. He's not willing to get in a mud fight with them. So how would it impact your life if you began to approach conflict differently? What if, what if instead of just jumping into every conflict you see or, or just posting terrible things on people's Facebook comments, what if you stopped instead and said, why is that making me so angry? Why do I want to respond this way? Or what if there's something that's an article or a news story that talks about something that you don't even know is true, but you're ready to share it? Ask yourself, why am I so ready to share this article? What, what about my own worldview does this support that makes me want to shout it from the rooftops? And what if it wasn't true? What if this is actually like fake news and I'm just giving into it? How would that make me feel to realize that I had been tricked uh, by this article? Now, again, these questions, uh, there's many more questions you can ask yourself to evaluate what it would look like for you to change and what you would need to repent from. But Jesus gave us an example of what it meant to tear down the wall of hostility, not just with his life, but also with his death. Uh, we're told in the scriptures, the Bible tells us that when Jesus died and rose from the grave, he actually tore down the wall of hostility that existed between Jews and Gentiles. Now, Gentile simply means a non-Jewish person. 
So Jesus, uh, he tore down this wall between these two groups of people that thought they would never be able to see eye to eye, and they definitely never thought they would worship together. And so there might be groups of people that you naturally are very frustrated with. There might be groups of people that you just feel like they are your enemy. Well, what if Jesus came to tear down the wall of hostility that exists between you and those people? And and I think about some of the other passages in the Bible that help us to understand how we can navigate these moments when we realize that we want to put our fists up and jump into the fight. For example, in the book of James, it tells us that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Imagine how different your life would be if you followed that example. If you were actually quick to listen. Say, hey, help me understand. Why do you, why do you believe that? What do you think about that? Um, and then to say, um, I'm going to be uh, slow to speak. I'm going to be slow to share my opinion. And then I'm going to be slow to become angry. And I think that is something that we all struggle with, is that we are quick to become angry. We are quick to speak and we are very slow to listen. Sometimes we don't listen at all. But what if we followed that recipe from the Bible of quick, slow, slow? Not only that, but we're also told that we should make every effort to be at peace with one another. So sometimes when you're, when you're starting to engage in conflict with someone, ask yourself, have I made every effort to be at peace with them? Have I done everything that I can on my part to be at peace with them? Um, not only that, but the Bible talks to us about forgiveness. I once heard a story of a pastor who uh, went to the Middle East and he was invited into a group of people. And he didn't realize who they were until he was invited to start talking. Once he was about to start talking, he realized he was looking at a group of terrorists and they were all holding AK-47s. And he thought he was about to die, but he realized he had to say something. And so he told them that uh, the only thing that would solve the problems that they're having in the Middle East is forgiveness. He said, if you could learn to forgive one another, you would set yourself free because you believe that by harming others that you're hurting them, by not forgiving them that you're hurting them, but you're like the person who uh, drinks poison and hopes the other person dies. And so if you really want to see change, if you really want life to be better for your kids and your grandkids, you need to learn how to forgive. And then he talked about how his God was the one who came and died for the people, that he forgave them when they hung him on a cross, that he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, and that he extends that same forgiveness to us. You know what happened? These men all laid down their guns on the ground and said, tell us how we can follow this God. Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness can change a situation completely. And when you forgive, you literally are the one setting yourself free. Not only that, but the the Bible tells us that we can give grace to one another. Think about this. Have you ever had a moment where you screwed up and you thought, man, I need some grace? Well, realize that there's other people who do the same thing and they need grace too. And actually the Bible says that all of us have sinned and we all need grace. 
And so we're, we're pretty much on a level playing field. And so it's easy, especially with cancel culture, to say this person deserves grace, but that person doesn't. And the truth is, is that every single person that you meet is fighting a hard battle that you don't know anything about. And you need to be willing to show them grace. Give them the same kind of grace that you hope someone would give you when you're having a bad day, when you post something that was probably not very smart to post, when you get frustrated and you say something out of anger, wouldn't you hope that people would have grace for you? If we lived like this, it would absolutely change the world. If we actually lived like people who were quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, who made every effort to be at peace with other people, who were able to forgive and give grace. And forgiveness and grace doesn't mean that you forget. It doesn't mean that you're not aware of the situation. It actually means that you are fully acknowledging the hurt that that person has done and choosing to forgive them and give them grace. If we did this, it would change the world. Let's stop being the people who run along and grab dogs by the ears. And instead, let's be people who learn to understand other human beings and then find ways to build bridges, find common ground, and then we will find true paths forward together. So may you be someone who becomes filled with grace May you be someone who becomes a peacemaker, for blessed are the peacemakers. May you be someone who uses your influence to bring forgiveness and grace to others. And as you do so, may you see your own heart change as you also see the world around you change. Well, thank you for joining me for this divine moment. I'm so thankful for all of you who are subscribing and leaving ratings. Every time you leave a rating, uh, it helps people to find the podcast. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, Thank you again for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, We will have another episode coming out next week. And I hope that you join me then.